This is The Bold, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, where they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Marianne Montaigne, Portfolio Manager for Gradient Investments. We are a manager of about $4.6 billion in assets under management. I am one member of a six-person team. And on today's podcast, we'll be talking about inflation and the impact it has on investments. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, episode four of season three. We got a good guest today, Nate, Marianne Montaigne, who I believe you know. Our very own Marianne. Marianne Montaigne, CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst. I'm going to ask her a little bit about to explain the CFA. Often featured the on CNBC, Fox, you yeah. name it. Yes. She's, uh, you, you will actually see her quite a bit on TV. But you, the CFA is a designation... And it's a, it's a hard test. Like a lot of people have letters after their names. Some are hard, some are easy. This one's got it like a series of three tests. First test is like a 30% pass rate yes. or something. Second one's like a 40%, but only because you already weeded out everybody else. That's correct. And then even the third one with all those serious people that got there is like a 40% again. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's kind a, of a minimum three year. I think most are in that three to five year range. Yes, but we are going to talk about all things economy okay we're gonna go market is down this year which is the first year it's actually like trended down we've had our blips and rona and whatever but like first year it's actually trended down yep. what else is going on in the world that that we would like to know about so uh inflation how many times are you gonna say inflation uh, how many t- <laughs> inflation 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 <laughs> maybe we'll talk about gas prices i'm gonna go with like 16 times how about anything else if you think of the globe Anything else that's going on that might uh, uh, cause problems in our in our world? War, war, Russia, Ukraine, oil, yep. oil, yep. Which uh, which is actually you know an interesting thing that I'm going to ask her about is the oil prices, like what is going on there. The other thing that I'm going to get her take on is employment right now. I saw her do a presentation. Employment's like three point or unemployment's like three point nine percent, like yep. fairly normal, yet. I can't figure out where the hell the We're workforce not, is. I read an article and I heard a guy talk a few weeks back that we are not having enough children. People are not, not enough people are being born in the United States, which well, is really driving that craze. I beg to differ with him. I have three and that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the rumors. There's not enough people being born coming into the workforce for the amount of retiring, which makes some sense. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. What are we going bullish and bearish on today, Nate? What's happening? All right, in your I'm going to go. This is not really a bullish or a bearish, uh, but it does. Can we do that? Yeah, I, I, I think you got to pick a side. I think I'm a little. Uh, I think I'm bullish on people really understanding. Like, there's so much data out there that you can really understand when people. So I'm, I'm bullish on this. Okay, the fact yeah, that I needed that you have the amount of the, the available information with the stock market with things. So that when people throw out things like, well, you know, the market's really getting crushed this year or the market this, the market that, like that, it's a pretty broad statement in today's time frame. <laughs> and this, and I don't want to steal any Marianne's thunder. And so, uh, but I do want to put some stats out there for you about the S&P 500. You familiar yep. with that? I am familiar with Roughly that. how many companies in the S&P 500? I'm go with last time I checked 500. Okay, good. So I was looking this morning in the last week of April here, and these aren't exact, but they're pretty close because they're changing today. In fact, it looks like today as we record this, the market's getting 
hammered right now. Is that now. a financial term? Yes, hammered okay. is a financial <laughs> term. So when you look at the S&P 500, what sector do you think is leading, based on what we just talked about and the prices of things, what do you think, lead you into this one, is leading the S&P 500 this year? I'm going to go with oil. Ding, ding. Okay. That's it. So you look at the S&P and you look at the top 10 names, generally speaking, they have to do with oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of those are up 30, 40, 50%. There aren't many of them, but they're up. Which, on the other hand, and you may be exposed to some of these names in your personal portfolio, what is getting crushed this year? Uh, that would be companies like PayPal, Waiter Holdings. Uh, I could go down the list of the ones I own. Meta, Facebook. Yeah, technology. Uh, so if you look at the tech names last year, they were on fire, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's going digital. Everyone's going all this stuff. And they ran so high. So when you look at the bottom <clears throat> of the S&P, you got things like Facebook, Meta, PayPal, Netflix, which was down like 37% on one day when they reported their first earnings of, they lost like 200,000 subscribers, which in a growth name is not exactly uh, a good thing. So when you look at those, you got all these oil names that are leading the charge. You got a bunch of them in the plus 10 to minus 10. The S&P is down roughly 9% this year, but you got names that are up 40 or 50 oil. You got names that are down 40 to 60% PayPal, Netflix, Facebook, Starbucks. Oof. I don't know why Starbucks is down 30 some percent, but it is. So I think the point of that is like when people are talking about, well, the S&P 500, right? It's it's not really that simple as, no. oh, the S&P. Like if, you're, if you own 20 names in the S&P 500, if you bought 20 individual names, you could be up 20% or you could be down 40%. Correct. So it's a... There's a lot to do there, and I think that's what goes to when you look at some of like the GI strategies, which Marianne may talk about. You got like the G33. That's 33 growth names. It's had a tough year, right? Yep. So has growth names. The G50's done well, relatively speaking, because it's bigger names that are not exposed to as much tech. So I just I think it's important to when clients or investors are talking about, oh, you know, the market this, the market that. Like let's let's level let's set with what are, what are we talking here. about. Because we could show you a strategy, our, our oil, our energy strategy is way up. Our G50 is, I don't know exactly where it's at, but it's done well. It's probably down 3 4 5%. Mm-hmm. And then the G33 is down much more substantial my than that. My personal trading is down. So is mine. Substantially. But I had, you had good. a good year last year, right? Maybe. Yeah. So the cool thing is I sold all those. So yes. I'm currently paying taxes on all the gain from last year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting my rear kicked in the rest. You're helping of your tax. Really, it's uh, what, what, really. That's great. the other thing when people say, you know, uh, I've seen this over and over. Let's say they've bought a stock over the last 30 years, right? They've been dollar yep. cost averaging. You see this a lot. They've got five hundred thousand dollars in some stock, mm-hmm. and their cost basis is one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they say, well, geez, you know, I've really got a big tax problem. Oh yeah. Well, yes, that's you could have the flip problem. side as you put three hundred in today. It's worth a hundred. Fantastic! You got a cash. You don't problem. have a. You got a cash problem, not a tax problem. So, it's you know I don't look at a big long term gain as a tax problem. I don't either. You know, it's people, not a you thing. Know, complaining about paying taxes is like some people right. would kill to pay as much. At twenty three percent long term gains. That's <laughs> right. probably a pretty good deal. So anyway, Marianne knows way more than I do about it. But I just those are the things I think about when you talk to 
investors and you talk to people, it's like, you really got to ask questions and like, okay, well, tell me more. Tell me more about what is the market? How do you describe that? And what are your goals and objectives? But it's, it's really crazy this year to see the, the disparity in all yeah, the S&P 500 nuts. names. It's definitely nuts. And so all on that, okay, on knowing- so I'm not sure if I'm bullish or bearish. On but, knowing things about your life that okay. you sometimes don't really look thinking into, I'll give you a, a story here. And I don't know if my wife really wants to be telling this one, but whatever. It's all right. <laughs> Best story start off that way. Don't tell anybody this, but let me tell you. So we're my daughter is turning 11. We've always said at 12, we're going to get her a cell phone, but like she's going to dance and all these things where like, it would just be helpful if she had a phone. So my wife wants to get her one. My wife's not currently super happy with her current cell phone provider service. Looks at another one who happens to offer a free iPhone if you sign up. Nice. Cool. Move, better service, whatever, get the free phone. Goes in, goes to apply for whatever to get the free phone. All cell phones, and I haven't switched carriers in 100 years, they run your credit, right? Yep. The guy comes back to her and says... Ma'am, your your credit score isn't good enough to get the free phone. And my wife was beyond like upset and insulted and pissed <laughs> and calls me like upset that her credit score is apparently and the guy didn't know what it was. Like I don't even know how bad it is. But like she always had a good credit score. So she's like, Why would it be that way? And I said, I, I don't know. Like you don't she doesn't have a car loan. Like credit cards are probably in my name and she's an add-on. Like, I don't know how that works, but credit scores are tough. Point being is like, there's no way that she or I should have gotten that far where we didn't know what her credit score was. Like every credit card I own will show me my credit score. Yes. And they're different things, whatever, but they're in a range. So like, I constantly know where it is. Her comment was, what if something happened to you? Like- I would have no credit score. I'm like, well, let's pump the brakes here. It's not like f- your credit score is at 52. Like, it's probably fine. But either way, like, I got to reckon with this credit score thing because I'm taking my eye off it. But everybody in the world should know a credit score drives a lot of things. And you don't think about it when you don't you know, need it all the time. <clears throat> but I would encourage you, if you have your spouse... Or if you've got clients and you're a financial advisor or you own a business, haven't looked at it in a while, like take a look at A, what your credit score is. Because I hate to tell you, but if your credit score is good, the world's a little cheaper for you. Yes. And you also, can also, go ahead. I was just going to say also looking at what credit cards you still own. Like I'm bet when we, if I look into my wife's, I'll bet it she's got some credit card from like 20 years ago. I, yeah, yep. totally. Some Best Buy credit card where I'm like, I haven't seen that in 20 years or something like that. Yeah, you can see it in your credit, and not even so much the score, but when you, when I look at my app, you can see what loans do you have open. Yeah. So if somebody were to open a loan in your name, which is possible, right? you think about all the data that's out there floating oh, yeah. in the world. I mean, <clears throat> for somebody to say, with all the stuff we do online and putting our credit card, putting our just our information everywhere, like somebody has your information. If they're going to do something with it, there's no excuse that you can't look at it and say, oh, geez, I haven't looked in three years. And oh, by the way, there's a car loan in my name with some random bank that I don't know anything about. You can see what debts do you have open, what credit cards, which ones are closed. Like if you're not doing that, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice I would to agree. your own personal 
financial life. Yeah, and if you were in my situation, you've somehow done your wife a disservice right. by like this is was well, my fault yesterday. Yeah, like, is this, is this my problem? Or what, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, for those of you, you just go home and check it out. You can get that under any control. credit card app, any bank app. <clears throat> you can not only look at your score, but you got to look at the loans and the things that are open in your name. And to answer Nate's question of be a little more knowledgeable on the overall economy and stock market, let's get Marianne in here. Ask her a few questions and we'll all be in a better spot for it. Let's do it. All right, with Nate out of here, we have our special guest of the day, Marianne Montaigne, CFA for Gradient Investments. She is one of the portfolio managers for our investment teams here. And we're going to do a little market update today, Marianne. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I would imagine you've had several questions from not only financial advisors, but clients alike as to what is going on today. Absolutely. So before we get started, the the letters CFA at the end of your name, I just kind of find this fascinating, but what is what does that mean? What does it stand for? Well, it stands for Chartered Financial Analyst. And the process of becoming a CFA is typically three years experience as you take tests studying independently uh, in the areas of stocks, bonds, and portfolio management. So um, it's a long process. It has a very high failure rate. So <laughs> let me put it the other way. The pass rate is super low, around 35% at level one. So it washes out a lot of candidates. Mm-hmm. And then level two, I think the pass rate is closer to 40%. Because we've already weeded out a good chunk in level one. <laughs> yeah. So we're up to 40. And then at level three, I think it's about 40%. Really? Yeah. Gosh, that is a bear. And that's over a three-year period? Right. All right. Well, congrats on getting that. I think that is not something I will have behind my name in this lifetime, but maybe the next one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Good. Well, so let's start off with a couple of, uh, you know, what's going on in the world. So let's talk about market volatility. We'll talk about, obviously, inflation. We'll talk a little bit about the conflict going on, Russia and Ukraine. But start us off with, you know, the, the stock market itself has been on a bull run for over a decade now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And- this year, we're actually, you know, as we sit here today, year to date down about 4% in the S&P 500. So okay. this is this our first year that we've actually been down consistently? And there's been well, little pullbacks here and there with the COVID, but like this is the first year that things have been kind of trending, right? Yes, trending. trending. So, um, you know, volatility, I think, is the key word here. And we started out the year like January 3rd was an all time high. We had had three years of gains in that 20 to 26 percent area each year. Um, this is really on a long term climb since uh, the end of the last recession in 08, 09. Mm-hmm. So it's the world's longest, uh, you know, economic growth period. And of course, we had pullbacks with COVID, but we very quickly recovered from that in the market. Right. You know, not only the economy, but also the market quickly, quickly recovered and then took off from there after um, the worst of the COVID in March of 2020. So, yeah, now we come into the year, uh, January 3rd, you know, a peak, and we've had pullbacks and volatility 
Uh, since that time, the bond market, um, this is as of the end of March, was down about 8.5%, mm-hmm. while the stock market, the S&P 500, was down about 7%. That's really, really unusual. That mm-hmm. the, both are down at the same time? Both are down. Yeah, they usually go contrary to each other, but even for bonds to be worse than stocks. So should I tell you why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So the key thing is all the money that flowed from the government to the individuals and businesses during COVID. Stimulus checks, what was the PPP loans for businesses, piles of money, trillions. Piles of money. And I think it was very much the thing to do at the time because we we didn't want to go through 08, 09 again, surely, uh, you know, to have people losing their homes again because their jobs just aren't there temporarily. Um, but I, I do, I could go into detail, but I do think it became excessive in the latter half of last year. We just needed to get people back into their jobs because we could deal better with COVID and, um, they kept throwing money, they being the government kept throwing money at people. And that's so inflationary. Um, as long as you've got the money to spend, you'll, you'll pay up. Mm-hmm. for uh, short supplies of something. Uh, you'll, you know, supply demand. The demand was certainly there. The supplies, not so much because people weren't fully back to work. And, uh, of course, we had all those ships sitting outside the harbors. Couldn't unload. Couldn't unload. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, on the other end, China wasn't employing all their people. They were um, keeping them separate away from each other. Uh, and uh, so the supplies weren't there. But... It, you know, inflation reared its ugly head, and we got up to about an eight and a half percent read on the last go round. Right, which is um, a record high for inflation. Yeah, record high after a twenty-five year average of about two and a half percent, which is healthy, right? I mean, the economy is meant to grow at a certain inflation rate, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. And actually, they, we had been operating below two percent for quite some time, and that's really not good. Mm-hmm. So the Fed was making an effort to bring it up to around two, two and a half, maybe three. And then when it started to be like five and six, they said, oh, this is transitory, but it's persisted and persisted. And so now it's, you know, quite troublesome. Mm -hmm. So the next step is for the Federal Reserve to raise rates. Right. To ease the spend. Let's let's slow the spending down a bit, get inflation under control. right? Right. Right. So when inflation, obviously, I mean, you could, there's obviously, you just walk out in the world today, you can tell things are more expensive, yeah. right? Supply is short. And then when supply shortens, like cars, mm-hmm. right? Let's take cars, for example. The fact that you can't get one almost makes you want one. And then, <laughs> so like some hype carries into this. But one of those things that I wouldn't say is hype is the uh, almighty fuel pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was four ninety nine for the gas that I had to put in my car yesterday. What is What is going on there? So with energy, we have, um, you know, increased demand because things are gearing back up. We don't have increased supplies. Uh, the policy in this country has been to dissuade producers from uh, pumping oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, those who are controlling things overseas, being OPEC, have very much uh, controlled their increases in production. So it's rising, but so slightly it's not keeping up with demand. Now, here's the interesting thing most people don't realize is that back in 1980, when oil prices spiked, uh, and again in, uh, let's see, when was it? Uh, Maybe 2004, when oil prices spiked, 
um, oil uh, usage was much higher than it is today because we have more efficient vehicles, we have more efficient heating and cooling systems in our more homes efficient and factories, businesses, more efficient production, solar power, all these things, a whole host of things. So we're using less of oil, so less gallons, shall we say. And then uh, when you look at it as a percentage of your disposable income, well, your income's gone up a lot since 1980 and <laughs> since 2004. It, it uh, definitely has. Yeah. So as a percentage of your um, take-homes, shall we say, uh, yeah, as, as you're spending, um, it's, it used to be like 6.5% back mm -hmm. in 1980, and now it's, uh, you know, we're talking today $100 a barrel. We're talking less than 3% of your income goes to oil. Okay. So it's really not that much of a detriment to your lifestyle to pay the $100 oil. Okay, so it's kind of like... Like alcohol at my house, I'm paying more for it today, but I'm using less of it than <laughs> okay. I did in my younger years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lifestyle changes will <laughs> like, do that. Yes, like beer. Yeah, the IPA was you know, fourteen bucks a six pack back in the day. A bush case of Bush Light was ten. <laughs> well, that was a much larger part of your disposable income back that's, in the day. That's correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, from inflation, then markets down this has to be market down. People always ask, well, is that it's because of Russia and Ukraine, right? But really it started kind of before that. So how did we get to the, the S and P falling this year? And then what impact did Russia in Ukraine conflict have on that? And what do you see it has in that going forward? Okay. Well, I'll start first with, you know, we had base inflation going on, as I said, because of all the government spending, yep. all the monies that were pushed out into the money supply. And that right there is inflationary when you have increased money supply. But then you layer on the shortages because of things that were produced in um, Russia and Ukraine under sanctions, we can't, we won't buy it from the Russians. You lessen your supply even more so with exactly. your Exactly. And sure. then they've been wiping out factories in Ukraine, so we can't buy from there. Right. And a lot of these things are really items that um, impact the prices globally. So mm -hmm. whether it's foodstuffs or whether it's parts for cars or uh, minerals or uh, uh, precious metals that go into your catalytic converters, it impacts prices globally. So that really compounded the inflation part. Um, and what was the other part of your question then? So then with all that being said, where do you see Russia and Ukraine conflict when it started, right? Mm -hmm. There was volatility oh. for about a morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like by the end of the day, it seemed to be back. But like, how does this play out? Does it affect the market? Does it not? Yes. How do you see that moving forward? Okay. So with the higher inflation, you know, compounded by Ukraine uh, conflict, then we have pressure on valuations because valuations are dependent on interest rates and inflation. And so that pressured um, primarily the largest um, uh, valuation stocks, which tend to be the big growth stocks, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the mega caps. They, if you take like the top 50 companies in the S&P 500, they have an extraordinary weight on the total. Um, even the top 10 have an extraordinary weight on the total. So their valuations were super high. And when they got pushed down by these higher interest rates, 
then the valuation of the total stock market got pushed down quite a bit. So it, you know, the smaller cap stocks, the mid cap stocks that are in the S and P 500, uh, they didn't respond that much. These are viewed as more of the value stocks, mm-hmm. whereas the growth stocks were the big mega, mega caps pushing down valuations, but it pushed down the whole market. So let's talk about that for a second, because that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is the S&P 500 is a makeup of 500 stocks. Right. And you said that the top five, biggest five or biggest 10, mm-hmm. make up the bulk of that. Yeah. How, in layman's terms, what does that mean? Well, when you take their stock price times their huge numbers of shares, that's their market cap. And that really dominates the rest of the 450, 60, 470 stocks that are in the S&P 500. So the ones that are really moving the markets around are those top market weighted stocks. What are a couple examples of those? Oh, Microsoft is a classic. And, um, you know, the Facebook, the the FANG stocks have really been up there. So you could have basically the the smallest 50 stocks in the S&P 500 triple in value. But if the top <laughs> five no impact. <laughs> if the top five go down, yeah. we got a problem, right? Right. right. I find that interesting. Yeah. So then uh, as you move forward then, you got Russia Ukraine going on, mm-hmm. coming off a 10-year bull market. There's there's got to be a recession coming. Like that's that's <laughs> what we hear, you know, yeah. it's it's when when does the music stop, right? Talk a little about that and I I saw you uh do a presentation where you went through, you know, how you guys look at predicting that because so many people focus on an isolated thing it's ukraine Mm. it's inflation it's Mm. a thing but you guys look a little more globally talk about how you guys try and i don't want to say predict that but Mm -hmm. predict that well we look at the jp morgan uh indicator of recession risk and it's really a conglomeration of about 12 different indicators some of those are auto sales manufacturing uh, indicators, their consumer um, sentiment, c- consumer sentiment, which is really driven by the stock market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that does have that uh, unvirtuous circle in this case. Um, but there's all these different indicators, including payrolls and unemployment. And when you take all of them together, and I just looked at this this morning to get the update, it comes out that you have about a 9% chance of a recession over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that's up from 5% a month ago, but it's still 91% chance of no recession over the next 12 months. And besides consumer consumer sentiment uh, in what we call the red zone, so concerning, um, the other uh, area that's concerning in this list is um, auto sales. Mm -hmm. And I would be more concerned if the dynamics in the auto industry were that um, people didn't have jobs, they were concerned they were gonna lose their jobs, uh, the cars were there, you know, filling didn't up the parking lots. They just didn't want to buy a car. They didn't feel comfortable. They didn't have that confidence to go out and make either a big lump sum payment or get set for payments over the next right. five years. So um, that's not the case. It's all no. shortages of materials, <laughs> uh, the precious metals. You know, uh, Ukraine makes harnesses for the cars that carry the electricity all over. Um, and so it's really part shortages that right. are keeping uh, that number down in auto sales. We used to go into the, you know, a car dealership. <clears throat> you'd look at the MSRP and you'd say, I see it, but how much is this car really? <laughs> and they'd say, oh, 
10 grand less than that. Here's some hats and t-shirts for the kids. And you want some floor mats too. Yeah. Now you look at it and say, I see the sticker. How much is it really? And they mm-hmm. say it's 10 grand over that. Yeah. First time in my life, if you pay MSRP, that is a good deal. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quite interesting. Well, I'm from Detroit and we used to watch the number of cars that would stack up in the state fairgrounds. Oh, really? Which was on a main drag. Yeah. I passed it every day. And if you saw cars way out there in the middle of the lot, you know, times were good for auto sales. But if you saw the cars moving out to the curb, you know, and then some, uh, then you knew that, you know, uh, auto sales were very, very poor. And it never showed up so much at the dealers. Mm -hmm. And so now it's really odd to see the dealers have just a small chunk of... It looks uh, like they're closed. Yeah, it looks Uh like they're closed. Uh, They have a small chunk of cars sitting by the front door of the the showroom. Mm -hmm. And it's just the oddest thing I've ever seen in my life. So the the state fairgrounds was what we call the Detroit recession indicator, huh? Oh, no. It was a countrywide recession. It was a depression for Detroit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, yeah. you also talked in that presentation about three, uh, three fundamentals that you guys look at. Yes. What yes. are the three fundamentals that also you kind of look at what drives the yes. market? So it's the health of the economy. It's the health or earnings of individual companies. And then it's valuation. Mm-hmm. And I always say those are three circles that overlap. But do people realize there is no fourth circle? A lot of people want to add a fourth circle, that being politics. <laughs> and we say, no, that's not in the picture. And that is something that you need to keep very separate from your portfolio do not let your politics influence your portfolio. I remember you guys did a, a PowerPoint with a chart in it one year that was the stock market during election cycles. Mm-hmm. And basically at the end of it, it's like, if you really want to try and draw a parallel, you can. But if you look at the chart itself, it makes absolutely no difference. No, <laughs> another one of our charts shows how the stock market has performed since the, um, I don't know, was it Teddy Roosevelt administration? It yeah. goes way, way back. Yeah. And it shows the market is up through every single administration. Uh-huh. And so lots of Republicans, lots of Democrats. And the one where it did not go up, it went down slightly, was during the George Bush, Bush. second mm-hmm. administration, which was during 9-11. Yep. And, you know, people lost confidence. And that's why it was... Uh, it was a down administration. Right. But all the others were up. Yeah. So leave <laughs> that circle off the page. Doesn't belong. Politics may matter to you, but it doesn't matter to your investments. Yeah, that's very true. Very <laughs> a true. hard thing to separate from that. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> the one thing you talked about here, and this is a question that I that I wanted to end on here too, is you used employment, you know, talking about some of the recession indicators. Now, employment historically was uh let's see at its highest or at its lowest point was during 2020 right it was down about 3.2 ish percent which healthy unemployment rate is somewhere around three is that right well i'd say unemployment in the three to four area three to four percent area is pretty healthy and it reared up to its highest point during covid to what four 13 14 14 yeah over which obviously Companies are laying off. Uh, certain industries just got hammered during yeah. it. Now it's back around four, 
3.6. So yeah. it's back in a decent spot, says the charts. But like when I drive around, there are restaurants that are, you know, fast food places don't have their dining rooms open. You got help wanted signs in every single place. Every corporation is looking to hire people. Where the hell did the workforce go? Yeah. Are they hiding? Well, <laughs> let's just say two million people said, I'm done. You know, they could have been teachers and they don't want to be in classrooms anymore. They could have been nurses, don't want to be around sick people anymore. Um, it, they could have worked at a restaurant and the restaurant's just out and out closed. But there were two million people who said, that's it, I'm done. About a million of those people were over the age of 55 mm-hmm. and they just said, I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the, with those help wanted signs, you're also seeing a lot of offers that will attract people in from the sidelines, get them off the bench. And, you know, whether it's minimum wage at 15, 16, 17, up, I've heard up to $21 starting prices for crazy. some places. These people may not go back to their previous employer. They're, they may go into a completely different industry. Um, but there's probably a million who will sit it all out permanently and a million who are yet to come back into the workforce. I'd say you get, you know, obviously the high wages bringing someone back to say, heck, I wasn't going to do it for 12 bucks an hour, but for 20 I will. Mm-hmm. But you stack a little inflation on top of that. You stack some, you know, negative statements mm-hmm. in front of them from a market correction and maybe they're like, you know what, I might as well put in a few hours. Things are more expensive. Yeah, it may keep people too from retiring just because um, they look at the inflation rate and say, um, I'd at least like to keep earning my regular wages for another six months or another year or something to keep up with the inflation because otherwise my purchasing power has just deteriorated so much it's not attractive. Right. And if you're on, you know, a fixed income in retirement, you can't just pick up more hours or your job's not giving you an increase. In fact, even as big as the social security increase was of 5.9% mm-hmm. this year, didn't even put a dent in right. what inflation right. costs for but those people. But here's the good news. We don't think this is going to continue. Okay. Yeah, when does it end? That yeah. was kind of my, that <laughs> yeah. was my really final question. Yeah. Well, here's the date it's going to end. No, I have no idea. <laughs> um, the, so we just know that at some point you're going to start getting um, year over year overlaps. And so the rate comes down. But we think, you know, over the next few months, it will remain elevated. We've already seen declines in some items, and we expect those declines to uh, continue. Um, uh, You know, really, one of the biggest pushes on inflation has been used car prices. We've been talking about manufacturing, but it pushed up used car prices like 37% year over year. It was insane. (laughs) You know, we don't think that's going to continue. We think that there's just other materials that are coming in um, that will help to push down (laughs) pricing. We think that there's a number of materials and other items that where inflation will be coming down and at least the comparisons get easier in the second half of this year. So we'll be looking at rates of maybe like four to five percent and next year maybe in the three to four percent area. We think it'll take a while to come back down to that two and a half or two percent level. So it will remain elevated, but we don't think it's going to stay up in the eight percent area. Sure. <clears throat> Good. Well, certainly been a you know interesting couple of years here, but you know, as you you've lived through lots of market cycles. There's always something to be concerned about, always something to, oh my gosh, is this going to wreck us? And all in all, the market goes up and down, but eventually it goes up. So it really does boil back to time horizon, what's right for you and 
same things you guys talk about on a daily basis. Yeah, we remind people that, you know, going back to 1926, 75% of the time the market is up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really good odds. The odds are in your favor. And we also remind people that seventy in those 75% uh, of the times that the market has gone up, there's typically been a pullback of about 8% in a year. Um, some larger, some smaller, and we still end up with a plus year. Sure. So these are opportunities if people have some cash on the sidelines, come in for the long term, add to their portfolio, make sure that they're uh, balanced for what their plan is, so much bonds, so much stocks, um, and just uh, be opportunistic about times like this when there is a pullback. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Glad to be it's, here. It's uh, always good to hear from somebody who really pays attention to this because a lot of us get our you know, news from whatever's on TV or Facebook, which I would say today is questionable as to what you're okay, seeing. Okay, that was an eye roll in <laughs> case you missed it. <laughs> My Susie's post on Facebook says the recession's coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for everybody's time. Bye now.